It's just really exciting uh, to share with you this morning as we continue in the book of Ephesians. And um, I just want you to think for a second, if you have siblings and you grew up with siblings, think back to your family and kind of the family dynamics of how that worked having siblings. You kind of each played a part in the family, each played a role. I know in my family, there was four kids. I was the oldest brother. So as time went on, I kind of played this role of facilitator of peace, collaborative peacemaker type of guy. But as the oldest brother with two sisters, I also simultaneously played the role of of being a prankster to my sisters. So first of all, I just want to apologize on behalf of all older brothers here today to sisters. I apologize to sisters because that's that's a tough role. Um, to play. And then my two sisters, they were usually the voice of truth. And whatever the situation was going on, they were the voice of truth, and conveniently they would voice that truth to my parents, and then it would affect me adversely. Um, and then I had a younger brother, and he was the last to come along, and he would typically just, the, the angle that he took was, I'm just going to play it cool. This has all been done before me. I'm just going to be, you know, Mr. Comic Relief and Jokester. So he just took everything as a joke, didn't get worked up. And, you know, it kind of helped our family. It was, it was really nice. And, you know, at the end of the day, we could pile into our 1989 station wagon. And we were one big happy family because we each played a part in our family. And this morning, we're going to continue to look at unity in the body of Christ uh, with respect to each of us playing a part. So with that said, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? We're going to be in Ephesians 4. And I'm going to read verses 7 through 16 in the New Living Translation. This is in the Red Bible, page 732. If you'd like a copy of the Bible this morning, just raise your hand and and one of the ushers will get you a Bible for today's reading. Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And and the same one who descended is also one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. What a beautiful picture and description of how the body of Christ is to function when it's healthy when it's at its best in the local church. Last week, Pastor Brian reminded us to live a life worthy of our calling uh, as people called by God. And we learned that we're not powerless to do this. 
In fact, as followers of Jesus, we're filled, we're indwelt, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, God has gifted us to live out this calling, all together, each playing a part. I love verse 7 here. It says, He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. A special gift through the generosity of Christ. Have you ever received a gift from somebody before? And you thought, wow, that gift just doesn't quite fit me. It's not quite the gift I was looking for. Maybe, maybe you have a, a, a restriction with gluten in your diet, and a family member gave you a high-end bread maker for Christmas. It just doesn't fit the gift that you were looking for. Um, I like to think of myself as somewhat athletic. At least I used to be athletic. And as I drive to church every morning, I see people running on, on the trail on Shepherd in their beautiful running gear, uh, a lot of tight running tights and things like that. And I think, you know what, I would love to get into running again, but if somebody got me a pair of tight running tights right now, that would not be an appropriate gift for me. I need, I need to at least run a 5K or a 10K, try some sweatpants. The running tights would not be a good gift for me right now. And, um, but God, God's not like that. God knows exactly the gift that we need at the exact time. He's created us uniquely. In fact, Jesus Christ has uniquely shaped, empowered, and gifted you. It's point number one in your outline this morning. He's shaped, empowered, and gifted you. The body of Christ should have unity, but it doesn't have to be uniform. Every person has a special gift that makes a contribution to the whole, and no one has all the gifts. We need each other. And this gift that's given to you is given through the generosity of Christ. The NIV says it this way. It says the gift is apportioned as Christ apportioned it. So the gift that you have, God God has given it to you as a unique individual in exactly the proportion and strength and makeup to fit your personality. Everything's just perfect. God has uniquely gifted you. He's uniquely gifted you. Verses 8 to 10 has an interesting reference as we continue in the passage. The Apostle Paul here says, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to the people. This is Paul referring to Psalm 68, which is a description of King David returning the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem along with the spoils and the treasures of war. And as he does this, he distributes gifts from the treasures of war, some to the temple, some to each of the warriors, He's giving gifts. So in verses 8 and following, what Paul is saying is, this is a picture of Christ's ascent into heaven. The ascended Christ has all the authority for distributing the spiritual gifts among his followers, the body. And Christ conquered his enemies and gave these gifts to us. Verse 9 says, he ascended. This clearly means that he also descended to our lowly world. This is the incarnation. Jesus came to the earth. Josh mentioned earlier that Jesus came and he paid it all. This is groundbreaking. What other other God does this for his people? Jesus came to us, added humanity to his nature, defeated sin, the devil, and and death, and, and rose again in victory, and then went to heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit upon us, giving us gifts. Verse 10 says, The same one who descended is also the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. See, Jesus didn't leave us alone. And the central truth of the ascension is that this now makes Christ accessible to everybody, everywhere, 
all the time if they're willing to open their hearts to Jesus. I'm so thankful that Jesus came to earth, poured his life for us, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. Verses 11 and 12 go on to list some of the gifts that God has given to the church and their purpose. Verse 11, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So these gifts are in the form of people that God has placed to bless the church, to equip God's people, to build up the church. You see, Jesus has given gifts to the church for the purpose of equipping his followers for ministry and building up the body of Christ. That's point number two. He's given these gifts for the purpose of equipping all of us for ministry. It's a really interesting passage. It mentions these five roles, if you will. Apostles is the first one. Apostles, in the, in the strictest sense, are limited to the New Testament times. For we know that to be an apostle, you had to be an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus. And then you had to be personally commissioned by Jesus. Not only that, apostles have the authority to write the very words of God. The New Testament is full of their words. That said, in a general sense, we can see people with apostolic-style giftings, missionaries, church planters. They're very helpful as we spread the good news. Next is prophets. Prophets also had this unique authority to speak and write the very words of God. You've got the Old Testament primarily from these prophets. They're very important. They're foundational. There's a verse that talks about these two. It's called, it's in Ephesians 2.20. It says this, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So the apostles and prophets were very foundational to the church. In fact, we, their influence continues through this book today. It's a privilege that we have God's word that can form us and mold us and, and gift us to live out our callings. Next is evangelists. Now, I don't know about you, but there's nothing, I found there's nothing more exciting than having people gifted with the gift of evangelism in, in your church. It's just so life-giving to have people that are passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus in their homes, in, at, at their workplace, in their neighborhood. And that can spill over into our congregation. So we're excited to affirm those of us who have this gift of evangelism. And that said, we're all called to do the work of evangelism as well. So it's a very important part of equipping the church to use their gifts. And then finally, pastors and teachers. Help people with, with the Word, growing in the Word, teaching the Word. We saw at Awana this, this past Wednesday, many, many teachers of the Word helping kids memorize, maybe explaining the passage to them, equipping them in that way. Every member benefits from these ministries listed in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. I know when I was in junior high, just about to go into high school, this youth intern came to our church. His name was Vince. And he was only around for about five or six weeks, kind of like a, a fill-in youth pastor for the summer. And uh, he just played such an important part of my life during that summer. It was a strategic time for me, about to go into high school, kind of chart my course one way or the other. And this guy just invested in me. He took me, We went mountain biking. He took me out for coke. I started drinking coffee at that time, one of the best decisions of my life. 
And um, this guy just really poured into me as a, as a young youth pastor. You know, I lost touch with him after that. There was no social media back in that day. Email didn't quite exist yet. And he likely has no idea the impact that he had on me. But he understood Ephesians 4.11. He was one of these pastor-teacher types, and he was equipping me and pouring into me, and it really made an impact in my life. Christ giving these, these gifts to the church for the function of the church having its full maturity in him. They're given for the good of the entire body. So we want to cultivate these. And as people help you figure out your gifting, you can find your place and your fit as well. You see, when, when each has a part to play, unity and maturity are nurtured. When everybody finds their fit, when everybody understands how God's gifted them, they can begin to serve, and that builds up other people with different giftings. We all need each other. Everybody has a part to play. And it's these leaders that should be affirming, helping others to identify their gifts and affirming them in that and empowering them to use their gifts. When each of us uses our gifts, we're unified. And I'm just curious, have you thought about what your gift is? Maybe at one point you were using your spiritual gift. It was life-giving to you. You were making an impact. And for whatever reason, that's been on the shelf for a number of years. We've got a list on the screen here of some of the spiritual gifts. There's typically three or four passages that detail the spiritual gifts in the Bible. There's some overlap among the gifts. They're mentioned more than than once. And that tends to tell us that these may not be exhaustive. These are the gifts listed, but there, there may be even more unique opportunities and ways that God's gifted you to serve. So I encourage you, you know, you can, you can take a gift inventory. I'd be happy to meet with you sometime, help you walk through that. It can be helpful. But even more helpful than that is to simply ask the people around you, the people that you've served with in ministry, say, you know, how am I gifted? How have you seen God working in my life? How could I make an impact here at Bethany Church and in the larger church? We can serve in a variety of ways. And if you don't know how you're gifted, I just encourage you, start serving somewhere. As you do that, you may find that it's not such a good fit, or you might thrive. Either way, it's going to be helpful in the process. Uh, I've got a picture here of some interesting traffic developments in a country overseas. I don't know how many of you guys have been overseas, but in some of these areas of the world, they don't quite have the law and order and organization that we're accustomed to. Here's an intersection. I don't see any lights there. There's buses, there's cars, there's rickshaws, jeepneys, motorcycles, but everybody's trying to do the same thing. They're trying to get through that intersection. Uh, I experienced this in the Philippines a few years ago, and I was happy to kind of get it alive. It looked almost exactly like that. But, you know, in this picture, they're all trying to do the same thing. It shouldn't be like that in the church. In the church, we're all uniquely gifted, and there's a variety of gifts. And when we're all functioning together, we can grow in maturity and unity, and there's peace, and people feel affirmed because they know that they're using their gifts So I encourage you, if you're not using your gifts, if you don't know what they are, if you feel like you're on the sidelines, that can change because it's critical that you're a part of the body of Christ. We all need each other. Verse 14 goes on uh, to talk about being immature like children so that we won't be, don't be immature like children so we won't be tossed and blown around by every new and deceptive teaching. 
It's interesting. I don't know if you have experience with kids. I've got some young kids. You've likely know people with kids. Or you have friends that have kids. You have kids. You're a grandparent. What's it like when a, a young child has a temper tantrum in public? Is that a, is that a good experience? Uh, it certainly is humbling. I don't, it's, it's probably one of the most terrifying things that I fear. Um, don't enjoy that so much. When, when people act that way, it doesn't cultivate our gifts and it doesn't bring unity and maturity. You see, by cultivating unity and exercising the diversity of our gifts, we can remain anchored to Jesus, growing in love and becoming more and more like him. Point number four. We want to become more like Jesus by using our gifts. Paul was concerned about the Ephesian church because they were so susceptible to false teaching. And one of the reasons they were is because they were acting like immature children. They were not unified. It's interesting that the Ephesian church actually had quite a documented and long history of being susceptible to false teachers and heresy. In the book of Acts, around 58 AD, the Apostle Paul warned the Ephesian elders about subtle heresies creeping into their church. And then again, in the 60s AD, in the book of Ephesians and the letter to Timothy, he communicates even stronger warnings. And then finally, in the 80s and 90s, through the books of 1 John and, and Revelation, respectively, we find that the Ephesian church is still fighting heresy and testing false apostles. They're still dealing with it because of their immaturity, because they're acting like infants. Infants are, they have an erratic temperament. They, they're individualistic. They have such a great level of self-assertion at all times, and so on. So the church doesn't want to be like that, but the church wants to be mature, exercising our gifts to attain its goal of unity. Even today, you know, it's important as we, as we use our gifts and cultivate unity around what we believe, around how we function. There's a lot of pressures out in our, in our society today with respect to truth. I'd like to encourage you, if, if you don't know what class you're going to after the service, check out the Reflections class. They're teaching a new series called The Truth Project, with, which kind of builds a biblical worldview and helps you to construct that and understand what that is in comparison to other worldviews. It's an important thing today. There's a lot of pressures out there at every level, at every generation. I'm excited that the Truth Project is happening today. I invite you to, to check that out today if that works for you. Verse 15 has something very important to say. It says this, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Jesus. You may notice that some people love to be loving towards people, and that's great. And that's kind of a, a mantra of our culture nowadays, and even with the church, is let's just, let's just be loving, let's accept people, let's not call them out on things. And while that definitely makes the, the body of Christ accessible to people and introduces them to Jesus, that's all great. But if you don't share also the truth with people, it actually can be very unloving to try to, to, try to love people and include them, and then yet allow them to stay in their deception is actually a very unloving thing to do. And this is a, this is a critical time for the, for, the, for the larger church to figure out how to handle that. Now, likewise, if you love telling people the truth of the good news, the, tr- the, script, the truth of the Scriptures, 
<clears throat> excuse me, but you do that in a way that's unloving, that's not good either. It's, it's really too bad how many people have kind of been turned off to the, to the church, to the gospel, because somebody just wants to tell, lay down the hammer and tell them the truth without a spirit of love. So we've got to learn how to do both at the same time, speaking the truth in love. Great theologian of the UK, John Stott, says this, Truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love, and love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. The Apostle calls us to hold the two together. To hold the two together. I challenge you, think about this in your life. How are you speaking the truth and love to those around you? To your, to your spouse, to your kids, to family, to people at work, to your neighbors. That's a tricky one. We don't want to come across as judgmental to our neighbors, do we? But at the same time, we want to, we want to let them know that we, we've met the truth and His name is Jesus. How do we do that? Truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love. Becomes, love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by the truth. And then in verse 16 it says this, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. To me, this is like the crux of the passage here. It's, Jesus knows how to make things fit together just perfectly. Just perfectly. Every part fits together perfectly. At times, I think we've all felt like we don't fit. That we don't fit together perfectly. That maybe we don't have a role to play. Or maybe in the past we did. And now all of a sudden we feel like our ministry has been taken from us. Or we're just, we're not making the impact that we used to. And we feel kind of discouraged that we don't fit together. But I want to tell you, back to the beginning of this passage... Jesus uniquely gave you a gift proportioned just exactly for you. And he wants you to use that throughout your entire life for the good of the church. The body of Christ needs you. You're an integral part to the growth and the health of the church. I'm a big uh, sports fan, for those of you that may be getting to know me a little bit. A huge sports fan. Like a good peacemaking Mennonite brother, my favorite football team is the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Favorite football team. I'm still working on trying to reconcile that with my faith. If I'm not cheering for, for Notre Dame, then I'm just cheering for any team that's playing Michigan. Sorry about that, Matt. Um, but love football. Also a huge basketball fan. Kobe Bryant is my favorite basketball player. Now, Kobe's the first to admit he's not a perfect person, but hopefully each day he's growing uh, more and more aware of God's grace available to him as it is to you and I. But recently, Kobe, you know, Kobe has five championships. He's a phenomenal basketball player, countless scoring titles. This past week, ESPN came out and ranked the top basketball players in the, in the NBA. And Kobe was ranked number 93. Now, I can't imagine that going over very well with Kobe, knowing a little bit about his personality and his, his confidence and his skills. But he was ranked number 93. He, he must feel like this is just, he's not being used. He's not fitting in anymore. Not content with that. And I think sometimes we feel like we've been ranked number 93. But I'm telling you today that God has ranked each of us one. He's uniquely empowered us. He's uniquely gifted us. 
to play a part, to play an integral part. All of our gifts and abilities are needed. We're not a 93, we're a 1. God's apportioned it just, just as, he de- as He decided. Last week, unexpectedly, my, grand- my grandfather passed away, had the privilege of, a- of traveling to Canada to go to his funeral. And as I talked to people about his life, I realized, you know, he had some real gifts. He was a real blessing to the church. But you know what? He passed away at the age of 101. So I, I, I couldn't help but think, I wonder how he felt in the later decades, last decade of his life, with respect to the church. Did he feel he was making an impact still at that age? He, was, he had some physical disabilities. Um, he couldn't hear very well. But yet he was committed to his church. And from people talking to me at the funeral, and I already knew some of these things, but this was reiterated, that my grandpa was a man of prayer. So even being confined to his wheelchair or his bed most of the last decade or more, he prayed. He prayed every evening. He prayed for the church. He prayed for his family. He prayed for his friends. He prayed for the unity of the church. He was also an encourager. He loved to joke around. He loved to have visitors when people would visit him. He would just be such an encouragement to them. So my point is, no matter where we're at in life, whether we're a child or whether we're um, nearing the finish line, God has a unique gift that He's given us that He wants us to use for the good of the church. We may never know the fruit of our prayers. People like my grandpa praying every night for the church. We may not know that fruit this side of eternity. But it's super important. It's, it's integral to the health of the church. So I want to encourage you. Find your spot. Find your place in the church. Identify your gifts. Cultivate your gifts. Try serving in various areas of ministry. It's, we, we all need each other here at Bethany Church. As we, as we think about how Jesus has gifted us, we want to, we want to be mindful that it's a, it's a great responsibility and it's a great privilege to use our gifts. And as you test them out, we want to offer grace and we want to also be encouraged as we try them out. It's just, it's exciting to be part of the church. There's so many good opportunities here at Bethany Church to serve at the church and also in your homes and in your communities. Uh, as we move forward, there's going to be a number of opportunities to, to connect with the life of the church, maybe even to lead a connection group, a small group in your home. And I just want to say that is one of the most exciting ways that you can reach out in your community and make an impact. You know, we can make an impact in this building on a Sunday morning and experience fellowship and go out filled and empowered, and it's, it's amazing. But it's also exciting to do, to do church, to be the church in your workplace or in your home or in your small group. So I encourage you to consider if, you, if God might be calling you to lead a connection group, a small group in your home or at the church on a weeknight. I'd love to ch- chat with you about that sometime as we, as we look forward to the new year. It's just an exciting time to use our gifts in the church. I'd like to invite the worship, Josh and the worship team forward at this time. And um, as we do that, I'd like to challenge you to think about how you're using your gift. And if you don't know what your gifts are, if you just feel lost, I encourage you to meet with somebody in the prayer room, even right now or after the service, 
and ask them to pray with you. God, how have you uniquely formed and molded and shaped and empowered me to use to use my gift, to use my gifts to, in service to the body of Christ, for the unity and maturity of the body of Christ. They'd love to pray with you about that. Let's be a church that's known for being unified. Let's be a church that uses our gifts for the health of the church. And secondly, if, if you are here today and you're, you're hearing about this Jesus who came to earth, went to the cross, died, rose again, went to heaven, poured out his spirit, gave us gifts, so that we can serve the body of Christ and the world. And you're thinking, you know, I would just like to have a relationship with this God. I would like to know this Jesus and who he is. I invite you to also meet with somebody in the prayer room following the service, and they would love to pray with you as well. We're so privileged that Jesus came to earth for us, that he poured out his life for us, that he cares about our church, that he's not done with any local church anywhere. Bethany Church has a great future as we align with Jesus, use our gifts, encourage one another. It's an exciting day to be a follower of Jesus. I just want to encourage you today to commit all of who you are to Jesus. Think about those ways that you've served him in the past that were just life-giving to you. You've put them on the shelf. Bring them off the shelf. Use your gifts again. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, we're so privileged to be a part of your body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the head of the church and that each of us makes up a part. We each play an integral role, God. And I pray that you would continue to pour out your empowerment and gifting upon us, that we can complete the mission that you've given us, bringing others into the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, to make an impact in our community here at Bethany Church, God. Thank you for gifting us. We want to all be responsible with our gifts. Jesus, we praise you for dying on the cross for our sins. What a gift to have forgiveness, to have a purpose in life now, to have eternal life now and for eternity. Jesus, we thank you for that. If you're here today and you'd like to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, to have a purpose for Jesus to pour out gifts upon you, that you can make an impact in this world for his church, for the body of Christ. If you want to receive Jesus, I just invite you to look up at me. Just be a little bit bold. Raise your hand. Make eye contact with me. And we'll have a prayer team leader pray with you following the service. For the rest of us, let's continue to commit our lives to Jesus in every way. Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise. Pour out your presence upon us, God, as we worship now. In Jesus' name, amen.